you're tuned into the K Mac podcast, online source for horror, thriller, and sci-fi entertainment news. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. That is D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. We are a hard news source, an entertainment news source. We cover all things horror, sci-fi, thrillers. And this podcast, we complement our coverage with interviews and the latest news on the genre. And joining me on this podcast are... Enid Artus, content contributor for DKMag.com. And don't forget to listen to our podcast on Google Music. Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. And we're also on Stitcher. Please be sure to rate and review DKMag on Stitcher and help us rank. And you could also find DKMag across all social network platforms. We are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, Instagram at um, the little at sign and DK Mag and in this episode this is a special interview episode we're going to be featuring interviews from the director of Peelers Sylvie Chalens and also the lead actress for Peelers Ren Walker also featured on this podcast is an interview with the director for Bethany the upcoming supernatural thriller James Cullen Bressack also scheduled for this podcast is the interview with director of the upcoming film don't kill it and without further ado the belco experiments on steam good morning belco employees please give me your full attention you must solve the puzzles that have been placed before you in your office fail to complete these tasks, you will die. The Belco Experiment is an upcoming film that centers on survival horror concepts. Uh, from the trailer you would see that the basis of the film is already supplied. You have a bunch of office workers who are locked down inside a complex and the only way to survive is to kill each other now this is a unique take on the survival horror concept usually you have the villain breaking into a home or a cabin of some sort and terrorizing the inhabitants of this dwelling here you have you know different people from different nationalities different walks of life just killing each other in order to survive now the interesting concept here is is this film the bilco experiment reminds me of battle royale and if you're unfamiliar with battle royale it is a a classic um film that i believe it began as an anime and it morphed into a full feature film i believe it was a manga as well but here's the news Orion Pictures is they can they have released a VR experiment experience excuse me for the Belco experiment the virtual reality escape game will be available for free on Steam on March 3rd now 
by watching the trailer currently available on YouTube, uh, you play as one of the office workers uh, stuck inside this death trap and you have to solve puzzles and I'm assuming you have to kill other people as well before the time runs out. Orion Pictures uh, is releasing the Belco Experiment March 17, 2017 and it stars John Gallagher, Tony Goodwin, John C. McKinley, Adria Arjona, Joss Brenner and Michael Rooker. So stay tuned for our coverage further on the Belco Experiment the film. Inid, Stacy, have you guys seen the trailer to the film? of the Belco experiment. What are your thoughts on that? I have not. I have seen the trailer and I must say that is, I'm very excited for it. I cannot wait to see it. Um, the trailer is very suspenseful. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's like very action packed and uh, I, I, I just really can't see, I can't wait to see what comes of it. So very excited. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Battle Royale uh, a lot, but you know, since I'm a survival horror uh, fan, I love the concept to those type of movies, so I'm, I'm going to give this one a watch. Unfortunately, I don't have a VR device to download this game that's coming out on Steam, and let's see, yeah, I think it's, it's for the... Uh, for those mobile devices that you put your mobile device inside the camera, the HTC devices, uh, we don't have one of those. But yeah, if you have these devices and it's the, the price tag is pretty good, which is free. So, do you, do you have a, a, a VR device, Stacy? Oh, I wish I did. It's so expensive because I think you. I think I need a. Um, I think VR right now is only available on PlayStation 4, right? Or is it PlayStation 3? Uh, yeah, they have VR for yeah. the PlayStation 4. And oh, 4, okay. Yes. And also for Android, right? Yes, Android has VR devices, um, Oculus, there is the HTC. There's quite a few products. I haven't been following the market, but yeah, there's quite a few devices out there. What about Xbox One? Do do the, do they have one for that yet? Ew, patui, yucky. Xbox One. Oh no. <laughs> Don't hate. Don't hate. Okay. Don't you, hate. you have I'm a, gonna give a PlayStation fan here. That's why he's like, ew, oh, patui. But uh, you know what? Right. For my birthday, he bought me an Xbox. So, patui, <laughs> all he wants. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, I can't wait to get my, I mean my PlayStation back. My goal is to have both Xbox One and PlayStation and get VR. That's the goal. Yes, I, I have to admit VR took me by surprise. And looking at this trailer for the Belco experiment for the VR game, it, it's not up to par from games that I have experienced on the VR those type of games it looks so real you see the roaches walking on the floor you see the the, the ghosts going through the walls it looks creepy as hell Ooh, it has some of your favorite stuff yeah but if you look at the Belco experiment I according to this press release it looks like it's uh, yeah 
I guess it's ready to go. I don't see nothing about an alpha stage, but it looks like an alpha stage to me. It doesn't look creepy at all. Hellboy 3 not planned. In 1944. Wait! A strange creature was captured by the US government. Since then, he has lived among us in secrecy, protecting humanity from the things that go bump in the night. I wouldn't do that if I were you. We got some sad news about Hellboy 3 and something that I've been looking forward for a while. Uh, as we already know, after nine years, Hellboy 2 release. Um, you would have thought that since it did good, maybe director Guillermo del Toro will work on part three for this franchise. And after years of rumors, it looks like we finally have a definite answer to the question. Would there be part three of Hellboy? This is what director Guillermo del Toro said on Twitter, February 21st, 2017. Hellboy 3, sorry to report spoke with all parties must report that 100% the sequel will not happen and this is the final thing about it and then Mike Magnolia joins him by saying no GDT Hellboy 3 does not mean there is no future to the Hellboy franchise hashtag Hellboy we had the opportunity of meeting Ron Perlman a while back he was on a movie called Porker Night, and he was asked of his opinion about opportunity on working on Hellboy 3. He was kind of excited, but then the thought, but then he thought the deal was never gonna come through. So even back then, he was suspicious of the no-go deal. Well, we might not have Hellboy 3, but for those who are interested, you can follow the comic book, and this is where the idea of Hellboy came about. What do you guys think? Stacy, what do you think about that? No Hellboy 3. Um, honestly, I've only seen Hellboy 1. I haven't seen the second. And I mean, what I saw, I loved it. You know, but I can't really say whether I'm happy or sad. <laughs> That's all just so wrong. But um, yeah, um, I haven't seen the second one, so I really don't know how it progressed or if it was successful or not or if that's the reason why there's not a Hellboy 3 coming you know so yeah we saw oh man is Hellboy's is one of those films that is so rich visually and everything works out for it uh, the CGI worked out the special the practical effects were, were, were phenomenal the acting was great so this is a franchise that should have continued at least you know three of three or four more chapters and then you know close the books but unfortunately uh, Ron Perlman he's been an advocate of re restarting this uh, franchise and uh, according to his Twitter he was pretty sad he tweeted uh, a tweet that that's it for you know, Hellboy 3 there's no you know no pushing forward on it and I responded to his tweet as well because uh, you know there's so many films out today right now that don't deserve sequels because of the bad plots bad production and yet you see part one part two part three but 
for Hellboy, since the story was good, visuals were good, you know, and then you can't continue it because you want to pursue what uh, Pacific Rim three and four and uh, some other nonsense. Come on, give Hellboy three a chance. Hellboy four, then stop, then drop it, then give it to somebody else to pick up the, you know, the story, right? Well, who knows? Maybe uh, somebody can acquire the rights of Hellboy and do it differently. Perhaps. But, you know, those visuals were beautiful. And that, that outfit, it really fit Ron Perlman. Yeah, it did. And, yeah, you know, just as Anid mentioned, when we met Ron Perlman f- for his film at the time, it was Poker Night. You know, he was very, uh, you know, very cool guy, very down to earth guy. It was a pleasure meeting him. And, you know, the question came up about uh, Hellboy. He was pretty excited. Well, he's according to his tweet, he's now extremely saddened. Yes, he sure was. He was pretty much excited. Jeepers Creepers 3 update. Jeepers Creepers 3 is in production. Filming began just a few days ago and is directed by Victor Salva, who also writes the script. The cast stars Jonathan Breck, Adrian Barbeau, Brandon Stacy, Stan Shaw, Chester Rushing, Ryan Moore, Patrick Thomas Cragen, Gabriel Hoff, and Justin Hall. It has also been confirmed that Gina Phillips will return. On the production crew is Michael Papa John, Megan Elizabeth Wright, Jason Bale, Kate Burke, Joyce Gerard, Jordan Salom, Don Yeso, David Davis, Brandon Stacy, Casey Hendershot, Thomas, no, Thomas Francis Murphy, and Carrie Lazar. Production is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. If all goes well, we could be seeing the anticipated new installment on the screens next year. The synopsis, Trish Jenner is now a mother of a teenage son named Derry, named after the brother she lost 23 years ago. Trish has a recurring nightmare where her son suffers the same fate as her brother did, killed by the creeper. Determined to prevent this from happening, Trish, who is now a rich and powerful woman, sets out on a final quest with Jack Taggart Sr. and Jr. to end the Creeper's reign and terror once and for all. The Creeper fights back in in gory glory as its enemies grow closer than ever before to learning the secret of its dark origins. What do you guys think? Damn, it took a long time for Jeepers Creepers to come into production. And then they started production, then they protested the production, then they starts again. So let's see how far Jeepers Creepers 3 winds up. Uh, at least they're in production. Uh, um, at least it, it didn't turn out to be like Friday the 13th that they were talking about it and it never happened. So yeah, I'm curious to see what next... Uh, what they have in store for this creature. Jeepers. Jeepers. <laughs> Where'd you get those jeepers? <laughs> and we're back at it again. 
Well, let's see what they're gonna do. I mean, they keep on saying yes, no, no, yes. Let's do it, let's not do it. Well, they're doing it now. Well, hopefully they keep the word for it. Yeah, so hopefully... And they have some actors, uh, you know, there's a very, there's a lot of updates on this film. A uh, few actors just don't join the cast, which is good. It's, you know, it's going in the right direction. But I'm, I'm reserving my opinion because let's see how far is it going to go. Even if they make the film, let's see how far is gonna, if it's going to be distributed. If it, people are going to protest it, they, you know, they're, st they're still young. So let's see what happens with it. Exactly. Stacy, you're looking for it. This is one of your favorite movies, isn't it? Yes. Yes, I'm very excited. I am very much so looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I gotta admit, the creature for Jeepers Creepers, the, the Creeper, right? He, that's a very interesting costume. I gotta admit. It, it sort of reminds me of the Predator. You know, because of the mouth area that opens up like that. But what is he supposed to be? A bat? Or what is he? He is some kind of winged creature. Something that has wings and flies. Something. Maybe he is a bat. Yeah. You know, he might very well could be. Maybe we'll find out since it's going back to his dark origins, it says. He a Maybe Batman. we'll find out. Yeah. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does not look like Bruce Wayne. I tell you that. <laughs> Putting a new meaning to Batman. <laughs> we have a new version of Batman. Jeepers creepers. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. man, this is such an insult to uh, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, very. I know he's. I don't hear people thinking like, "What the hell just happened here?" Well, they did. Ha they did have a bat creature in the animated series that Batman was fighting with. So yeah, so maybe that's the the cheaper creeper right there. You sure Joker didn't just get a pair of wings? Well, uh, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's see. Uh, like I said, I'm not gonna jump into the whys of the process because I I pretty much covered it in two. Uh, previous podcast episodes so if people want to know my reason why i think they're gonna protest or why the distribution may be wary about it so i'm not even gonna touch on that again but i'm gonna say you know jeepers creepers took a long time to do it's about time they did it and uh let's see how it moves forward from there peelers Like you got your hands full. You got a cupboard? Closing night. Be any different? Peelers is nearing its theatrical release on March 28, 2017. The horror film is directed by Savi Chalens, who also writes the script alongside Lisa DeVita. The cast stars Ren Walker, Cass Odin Darko, Madison J. Luz, Cameron Dent, 
L. Dales, Mamona Kamagata, Christy Peters, and Nikki Wallen. Healer centers around a nightclub that comes under attack by patrons who are seemingly infected with some kind of virus that turns them into ravenous killers. Blue Jean, the owner of the club, and her family and friends prepare to battle these devious characters and survive the night. The synopsis. A small town strip club owner named Blue Jean must defend her bar her strippers and her life when several patrons become increasingly violent and wreck havoc on the final closing night. I had the pleasure of a candid interview with director Savi Shalens. He shares detailed insight on pillars without going too much into spoiler territory. He also shares personal opinions on the horror cinema in general. And now here is my interview with Savi Shalens. Save Shalens, director, co-writer, Peelers. This is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. To start our exclusive coverage on the upcoming horror film, Peelers, I'm joined by director and producer Savi Shalens. Peelers will release March 28, 2017. Mr. Shalens, thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to be here. Killers is a great film, and I really enjoyed it. The film is original, but also offers familiar familiarity. What inspirations or parallels do you pay homage to? Oh, definitely. There's there's a lot of uh, love towards the Evil Dead in there. Um, we wanted to create a film that was um, had a lot of blood, had a little bit of nudity, uh, but was just a fun ride, just a fun action horror film. And as we were writing the script, we realized that we had an Evil Dead sort of feeling to it, and we sort of went along that path. Um, and that was definitely an inspiration for us, for sure. I specifically like the protagonist, Blue Jean, and the build-up introduction to the antagonists. How do you visualize the ideal, strong female protagonist? Uh, sorry, how did we come up with that concept of the female protagonist? Yes. Yeah. So originally, uh, when we were going to make this film, uh, I was approached by my sales agent and uh, he said, hey, you got to make another horror film because our previous one did so well. And he says, you know, I, I, I said to him, what is it that you want that can sell? We still want to do our own thing, but what sells? And he says, well, you need more, uh, you mean more blood and you need, you need more nudity than your previous film. And I thought, okay, blood's not a problem at all. The nudity aspect I had an issue with. Um, and I got to thinking about it, like, where would nudity be accepted? And it wasn't sort of over the top, uh, unless it, it was in that environment. And a strip club came to mind. So I approached uh, Lisa DeVita, who's the screenwriter. And I said to her, I've got this concept for this horror film it's set in a strip club, but I want a strong female protagonist. And I want the girls to kick ass. I don't want them to be the victims. I don't want them to be sort of the bimbos of the story, which you typically see in a, in a stripper horror film. So she, of course, uh, thought this was a great idea, and she went ahead and, and created Blue Jean, and Blue Jean being the main protagonist. 
And the idea of blue jean came to her, uh, actually, when she was driving in the car, she heard uh, the David Bowie song, Blue Jean. And a couple of lyrics in the song gave her inspiration, and that was the sort of creation of the the character there. And then all the other characters surrounding Blue Jean uh, were all sort of just little bits and pieces from her past. Uh, Lisa, the screenwriter, is a big foodie. And so there's a couple of characters actually named after food. And and she just wanted to have really strong female characters that kicked ass, and that's kind of where it came from. Thank you for that little insider tip. And while we're on that, um, as with most as with most films in this genre, the character offered just enough backstory to connect the viewer. Was this the intent from the start, or did this approach change when filming? Oh no, absolutely. We we are all about the characters and the story. Those are the two most important things for us. So. When we created the characters, uh, we definitely want to have a lot of meat to the bone. We want to have a lot of a backstory to these characters. And again, Lisa, she went ahead and created character sketches for each one of these characters and gave them to the actors and let the actors sort of uh, feed off that and, and go from there and let their character shine on the screen. So definitely backstories were very important for that reason. The second reason is it just brings up a lot of twists later on when you don't know something about a character early on that's the audience doesn't know and then later on you reveal that and it all makes sense uh it just adds more guts to the story so that's definitely an important thing for us thank you and while you mentioned that and i don't know if i missed this or what um and i'm trying not to you know be where you um introduce spoilers or anything but I'm sorry, F. Blue Jean is my favorite character. <laughs> but, um, okay, so there's a nickname reference for her in the film uh, that sends her into a, a frenzy whenever it is said. And I've always wondered about what it pertains to. I don't know if I missed that part of the film or... <laughs> no, uh, well, maybe you missed it. Uh, yeah, so when, when Blue Jean was originally created, uh, the character was actually going to be named just Jean. The reason being is there's a few characters in the film that are named after comic book characters. We're huge comic book geeks. So Logan's in the film, which is named obviously after Wolverine. We have Remy in the film, which is actually named after Remy LeBeau, which is Gambit. These are two characters that are in X-Men. So Jean was actually based off of Jean Grey, uh, which is another character in X-Men. And so we had a few of those characters in there. But as I mentioned before, when the writer was driving in the car one day and she heard the Blue Jean song by David Bowie, she said, no, 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 let's change her name from Jean to Blue Jean. And when she came back to me and told me this story, I thought it was great because it said, well, why don't people, uh, why don't people call her BJ and she doesn't like it? And I think BJ refer uh, references to a, a sexual uh, innuendo. Right, so she gets offended by that every time they use that expression. So, do, do I need to say more than that? Oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was up there watching, I'm like, wait a minute, why does she get so bad with you know what I'm saying? Like, because at first I thought it was just like an abbreviation of her name, and then when she gets so mad, I'm like, okay, is there some kind of backstory here on why she gets so mad when they call her BJ, or what is it? And I'm like, did I miss it somewhere, or what? <laughs> Okay, now I understand. 
Okay. Yeah, and- yeah. It's never clearly indicated in the film that she that that's what that is, but we 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 kind of left that to the audience to kind of figure that part out. Okay. <laughs> now there is also some mention about black magic in the film, which is something I haven't seen in a film for quite some time. Without delving into a spoiler, does this black magic reference pertain to the source of an infection in the film? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the black magic was, was funny enough uh, when we came up with what was sort of part of the infection in the film uh, and what caused uh, this uh, sort of rampaging killers in the film. Uh, we wanted to create something that was very creepy and we wanted to create something that was um, more than just blood that would come out of their sort of veins and their body if they got cut. This infection, uh, without revealing too much, was something where the certain characters in the film work at uh, an environment where they get this infection. So the black magic was actually just a word we used while we were writing the script. And then all of a sudden we came up with this, oh, why don't we have the character actually say those words, black magic? So yeah, that's definitely uh, something that's a huge part of the film for sure. Thank you. And while we're touching on this again, without, delving too much into spoiler territory or anything. Um, there is an interesting twist in this department as far as who the true villain is. Uh, does this approach open up the film to potential sequels? <laughs> the sequel. It's so funny because uh, this being our second uh, feature film we made and we've done the festival run, we always get the question after we screen the film, is there going to be a sequel? We're not big fans of sequels. Uh, we have so many new ideas that we want to explore. We actually have a number of projects in different stages of development right now, and none of them are sequels. But having said that, we had so much fun making peelers that we've been thinking about it, and we've definitely set it up so there could be a sequel. And Blue Jean is such a strong character that to have another story follow her easily could attract a, an audience. So uh, I guess the answer to that is there is potential. Um, we're thinking about it, but uh, we're not quite there yet. We're going to let this film sort of ride and see what happens. Awesome. And, I've, and I also agree that Blue Jean is such a strong character, which is probably why I talk about her a lot. She's like my ideal character. She kind of reminds me of, um, you know, the protagonist in Your Next. And I always reference Your Next because it gets out of that. I mean, there's been films before that, of course, but it's one of like prime examples of getting out of the whole victim mentality, you know, as you've mentioned before, and I love it. Yeah, Blue Jean, uh, she's incredible because when the actress, uh, whose name is Ren Walker, uh, auditioned for her and then finally got the part, uh, she asked us about the character and we said, look, we, you're strong in every way. You're, you're smart. Uh, you're physically strong. Uh, uh, you even take care of all your girls in your club. Uh, you you kick ass, but at the same time, you you look out for everybody. And we just didn't want someone who was too soft. We wanted someone that really looked the part and could play the part. And she, again, she was ready for it mentally, and she prepared for it physically. So, uh, 
Yeah, it definitely makes a huge difference to have someone committed to the role. And uh, yeah, I agree. Blue Jean is definitely a, a strong character in the film. Thank you. Killers delivers shock value, but it's tranquilized with humor. What is your opinion on the shock factor in horror films today? Uh, it's up and down, actually. Uh, every once in a while, a sort of a gem comes out, and you're like, wow, that came out of nowhere, and, and that was a great horror film. Uh, for me, our intention with Peelers was to create an action horror film with elements of comedy. So we didn't want something that was truly shocking, uh, wasn't going to like keep you on the edge of your seat, it was more just to entertain you with elements of shock in it. Um, for me, I find the psychological horrors to be the most shocking. It's the ones that you're going for a ride for and you feel like you can't get out of the theater, you can't get out of your seat. You're sort of stuck into this film with these characters. So I think it's very up and down. I mean, when you have films like, you know, Sinister, for example, you know, it keeps you on the edge of your seat, but then you've got a lot of other horror films that just kind of, they just kind of exist and, and they don't really... Uh, scare the crap out of you and uh, I don't know uh, it's hard to say I think a lot more horror films are being made today uh, I think a lot of the independent films actually the festivals we saw have a lot more grit to them and uh, they're definitely uh, scarier than some of the Hollywood ones I definitely agree and I've always said that in order for the shock factor to work, there also has to be substance. It can't just be shock just for the sake of shocking, you know, because with a lot of these shock factor films out here, there's also like, it's also very mediocre effects as, at the same time. Yeah, that, that's a hard one because the whole mix of special effects and visual effects is also a hard thing. If you don't have a big budget, the the some of those things can hurt you. But I find with the stuff that's the most scary is where you get into the story and you get into the characters. If you don't care about the characters, then you're not going to care about the shock factor after. So it's that balance of, of getting your audience into the story and the characters without you know, making that last too long before the scares happen. So it's, it's definitely a hard one. I definitely agree. And while we're on this, Peelers also succeeds without having to rely on too much gore, which is the seems to be the basis of a lot of films today. What is your vision when drafting the story to a visual composition? All right, yeah. So uh, again, with with our film trying to be more of an action horror, uh, we knew there was going to be a lot of sort of blood. Uh, or black ooze, if you want to call it, shooting everywhere. And some of the scenes we have are definitely over the top, uh, and some aren't. And so we really had a lot of emphasis on special effects in our film, and we tried to do as many practical effects as we could. So that was kind of the, the focus of our film, and the visual effects were more just to sort of complement that or clean that up. Um, so that was kind of what our focus was on for the film. Outside of the practical effects, we wanted to, again, focus on the story and the character. So sort of the mix of the two, that would allow us to keep the budget somewhat lean. Um, and also to shoot in one location also kept the budget down and allowed us to spend more time setting up the practical effects because, you know, we have a lot of rigs 
uh, in the film, special effects rigs, where, you know, we couldn't be in different locations bringing these rigs back and forth. So we had to, we had a one room dedicated to special effects and we could just bring stuff in and out of the room. So that was definitely a bonus. Thank you. And what about the character to audience relationships? How do you think Peelers connects with the viewer as far as the character to audience relationships are concerned? Oh, I, number one, obviously, we spoke about this several times during this interview is, is Blue Jean. I think by having a strong female protagonist, uh, I think a lot more women will potentially come see the film. You know, it is a stripper horror film, and that's not the number one list. Uh, for women to go see films, uh, but once they learn it's actually a fun film and you've got a, a female just kicking ass in the film, uh, that I think is is a great thing. Uh, in terms of the other characters, uh, funny enough, the, the miners in the film, uh, they're based on the, the 33, which was the Chilean miners that got trapped underground. So uh, that was a story uh, that was happening uh, at the time that the writer was actually uh, watching and listening to, and she was really inspired by that story. So th th those are just a few of the characters already that are that are really uh, based on sort of real people or strong people and trying to connect with the audience. And yeah, for sure, that's what we wanted to do. Thank you. And I must mention the poster art for Pillars is very creative and sexy. Who created the poster art? <laughs> uh, that was me. Uh, there's a couple of actual posters. The one I think you're referring to is the one with the leg wrapped around the pole. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that concept was I wanted something that was, you know, uh, I guess horrific, but at the same time beautiful. I mean, you've got this beautiful woman in the poster. She just doesn't happen to have a leg because it's wrapped around the pole and she's laying on the ground. So definitely wanted a little bit of both to intrigue uh, people to come see the film. Uh, that was an interesting creation of the poster because we actually got a, uh, a stripper uh, to come in uh, and hang herself around the pole with her leg. This this girl had such strong power in her legs that she was holding on to the pole with her leg, and I was literally taking photos of her hanging there, and then I had her lay on the ground and take photos of her there, and then I was able to paint out sections and, and put the two together. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really happy with that poster. Thank you. I must admit it's, it's very intriguing. Um, Pillars have done very well in the film festival circuit, and it is very exciting that it's coming to video on demand. Please share the release information for Pillars and how, where our listeners can buy this fine horror film. <laughs> for sure. Uh, we actually have uh, two releases coming up soon. We have our Canadian theatrical release, uh, which is happening on March 20th. We have a special sneak preview happening in Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada. And then we'll be going wider at Canadian Theatrical on the 24th. Then we have a U.S. VOD release happening on March 28th. And right now, we don't have, I don't have the exact information of where the VOD is going to be on what, uh, what platforms, uh, but we'll have that very soon. And all that information can be found on a couple of different uh, uh, websites for us. There's the peelersthefilm.com, and there's also the Facebook and Twitter, which, again, is under Peelers the Film. 
Thank you. Uh, would you care to provide some insight on the creative team and their exceptional work on the special effects? Uh, uh, yes, uh, special effects supervisor's name was Keir Vickert. And Keir was incredible. From day one, when I approached Keir to work on this film, and he read the script, he was he was on it. Uh, he was so excited that he uh, he kind of went off his, on his own and came up with some concepts of how we could do uh, these special effects and do them cost-effectively. I mean, we're a true independent film, uh, feature film. We The funding for this film is from us. It's not outside of us. So, you know, we have to make sure that the money works for what we're trying to create. So, Keir spent a lot of time uh, creating these rigs, uh, working with another special effects company called uh, Masters Effects, who have done some bigger effects for films like Twilight. Um, and working together with them, working with me, he created some amazing effects and it was fantastic uh, to work with. He was really excited because after creating all these effects, it took us about two more years to finish the film in post-production. Uh, again, being a true indie film, we can only do it sort of around everybody's working schedule. So two years later, he got to see his final product up on the screen, and he was blown away. Thank you. And what about your future projects? Uh, in terms of horror, sci-fi, thriller, cinema, uh, do you have anything else coming up in the future? Uh, it's funny you ask. Uh, we definitely have a number of uh, projects in development. Uh, funny enough, the, we have them in all the genres. We have a comedy, we have a family film, surprisingly. Uh, we have another horror film, we have another sci-fi. shouldn't say another, we have a sci-fi we're working on. So we don't stick to one specific genre. We, we go with what we like. It just so happens that the first two feature films we've made have been horror, um, and it's done well for us, at least the first one and the second one so far in the festival circuit. So uh, and there's a lot of buzz around Peelers right now that I think when distribution happens, it should do well. So uh, I don't have any specific information to give you yet for our future projects. We're trying to keep things a little hush-hush, uh, but uh, we definitely have different genres we're hitting. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Shellens, the platform is now open. Can you please state your website and any social media where we can tune in and get more information and updates for your film Pillars? Yeah, you can check us out at www.peelersthefilm.com. And we're on Facebook under the same name and Twitter as well. Thank you. Mr. Shellens, I would like to thank you again for taking this opportunity to, or thank you for taking this time to meet with me today. My name is Stacey Cox, staff correspondent for DKMag.com. I had a great time. Thanks for the interview, Stacey. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Okay. Ciao. Bye. And I know I mentioned in the interview that um, it seemed a little familiar and what I was thinking was a little bit of like from dusk till dawn. So when he mentioned like kind of his movies of inspiration, I was a little shocked that he didn't say from dusk till dawn. Yeah, I kind of got that feeling that it had that from dusk to dawn vibe, but I wouldn't compare it to that per se. Yeah, but there's there's no other movie that comes to mind. Yeah, it has to be from dust to dawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't compare it 
two from, I mean, you know, two from Dust Till Dawn. I was just saying while watching it, I kind of got the feel. Like maybe he used that movie kind of as inspiration. Because to me, it kind of, it almost had like the same kind of story or whatever, but different, you know, creatures, of course, and everything. So, but I'm, I'm not comparing it in any way. Just because uh, it, it's still different in its own way. You know, it's still original, it's still different, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I gotta admit that it was it was very different, and I'm just teasing. Yeah, it, it did remind me of uh, uh, as soon as, as when I was watching the film, I'm like, wait a second, yeah, it does have that feel to it. Uh, you know, the same type of uh, uh, characters fighting certain creatures. Uh, yeah, so that draws the parallel there. You know what the interesting fact of this movie is? Not the fact, the interesting for me, the aspect was the female protagonist. She was a tough cookie. I agree, and I'm like all praise for Blue Jean. Ren Walker for Blue Jean, like she was my favorite. Yeah, yeah, she was. She really played that role very well. And another thing, uh, during my interview, I kind of slid it in in the uh, in my comment, and I said, "Well, you now you you're classified as a, as a female icon now because of this role. You know, it's it's in history books now. She's she's a tough character. Definitely. In this interview, I'm speaking with lead actress to the upcoming film Peelers. Her name is Ren Walker, and she portrays the role of blue jean we'll be discussing her take her opinion on her role and in females female strong leads in horror films peelers will release in u.s markets vod video on demand on the 28th of march 2017 without further ado here is my interview with miss wen walker Exclusive interview. Ren Walker, lead actress Peelers. My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. As part of our exclusive coverage for the upcoming horror film Peelers, joining me to this evening is lead actress Ren Walker. Thank you for joining me. Hi. And I have a slate of questions for you, and they're divided into three categories. Uh, the first category, we're going to touch on women in horror. Yeah. All right. And the first question is, February 2017 marks the eighth annual Women in Horror Month. Who stands out for you personally as an iconic figure? Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Halloween. Definitely. Um... Yeah, she's the queen. <laughs> yeah, I concur. Uh, it's a it's a draw between Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis for me. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Um, but I gotta go with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Help me. <laughs> exactly. Um, are you familiar with the evolution of women's contribution to horror, especially on screen? Uh, the change has been over the years from he helpless damsels are now replaced with uh, strong leads. Um, 
I think even back in the day, it was one of the only genres that would present women with the kind of strength they should be presented with. Like, even back in the Halloween, Jason Voorhees days, like, we were seeing women come out as the protagonists. So I don't think it's that new. Um, But it's certainly improving, I think. Definitely, definitely. And the character you portray, Blue Jeans, in the film, upcoming film, Peelers, she's a tough central figure. As an actress, how did this particular role stand out with you? Well, I had an idea of how I wanted to approach her because I'm a film nut and I've seen a lot of horror films where the tough female characters played in sort of one way as being the strong character who doesn't break. But I really admire Snorri Weaver's performance in Aliens where you saw that she was terrified the whole time and yet still prevailed. And so I think it's more impressive to be a strong character despite being afraid rather than strong across the board. So I really tried to bring that across in my performance. Thank you. And I must admit... Uh, that was a very great performance. Myself and my colleague, Stacy Cox, she um, interviewed the director earlier today. And she <laughs> just sent me a text saying, make sure you tell Red she did a great job. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I worked really hard and it was great to be involved. Thank you. Thank you for that performance. And for my second uh, um, category, it's about the film Peelers, of course. Now, according to INDB, is Peerless your first horror film you starred in? Yes, it is. It's the first movie I've been in, actually. uh, Okay. And so how was the experience for you? Um, (laughs) Independent film is a unique experience for the actor. It's kind of like an actor's boot camp. Um, everybody on set has wears multiple hats at all times. So you're both an actor and a costumes person and you're, you're doing like 12 things at once. And to be honest, it was, um, I, w- I just remember being very tired because it would be like two hours, three hours of sleep a night back to set 7am. And since I was a lead, I was pretty much in every scene and I'd be there right till night. And, uh, got one break through the two weeks of shooting. So it was tiring, but it was a lot of hard work that paid off. <laughs> Most definitely, because you see the end product and you're like, yes, this is what I wanted to achieve. Exactly. I'm so proud of it. Great. And it's also noted on INDB that you performed your own stunts. I did. I um, That was actually my favorite part of shooting. Um. I I really enjoyed that. I of course I was uh we had like pads and things and I was shown how to do certain things, but um I did everything. Yeah. Except for one stunt. I can't ride a motorcycle, so we had a girl come in for that. Uh yeah, I I I kind of noticed that. I noticed that. I'm <laughs> um, from, you know, when and for a major film, it is uh, like frowned upon for the lead actor, especially to do their own stunts. So, were there any risk involved with you performing your own stunts and being the lead? 
No, I don't really think so. Um, and once again, back to indie filmmaking, you kind of have to put on many different hats. So, <laughs> um, but I felt safe and I was having fun. And there is one stunt that we got a little worried about me and Madison, who plays my kid, Logan. We were on a motorcycle strapped to the back of the truck. So it looked like I was driving it. And then we were driving down the road and the motorcycle started to get loose and we were screaming, <laughs> stop, stop. And so that was one area I was like, what am I doing? But other than that, it was fine. Wow. That, that must be scary right there. You know what? Yeah, do. <laughs> that was, that was pretty terrifying. And, um, what was the major asset when you read the script for the film Peters? What was the major thing that really jumped out for you? I really related to the character and I thought if I'm going to put the hard work in and be a lead in something, I have to relate and feel like I can bring something to this character. So I love Blue Jean, but also I'm a horror fan. I've grown up on horror movies. I watched tons of horror movies of all different kinds. I love the, they're so bad, they're great horror movies and I love modern horror movies. So the idea to be in one is kind of like a, surreal dream come true and that also touches on being in boot camp because most actors find that horror movies is really physical physically intensive mm -hmm. was that the case for you yeah it was um but honestly the lack of sleep was harder for me than doing the stunts i consider myself like a physical person i love going to the gym and working out so the stunt aspect of it was kind of my favorite part Ah, that is very, and from your other other um, experience in film, uh, this is the first time you're also doing stunts in a film. Yes, yes, it is. Ah. So you took the you took the role head head on. Yeah, I did. I really worked hard, and I hope that comes across. Yes, definitely. Like I said, well, we really admired the film. It's very awesome. Cool. I'm so glad you liked it. And um, please assess, um, from, from your point of view as the performer, how do you define the symbolism of Blue Jean wanting to stay and fight rather than running away um, like most characters did in the film? Well, her family was still in there. She got out the customers, but everyone she cared about, who were her family and her life, were in there. And so it was more about keeping them safe. And she has an adopted son, so I think there's that motherly instinct within her. Yes, that was very evident. And uh, I think that was one of the driving forces for this character, which yeah. sets her apart from, you know, the typical tough female role. Yeah, I think so too. And in touching on that, uh, your explanation of uh, Blue Jean's drive. How does this relate to you or in life in general? Because, you know, it's every you could learn a lot from a character. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's one of the things people ask me how I got into character. And I feel like I related to her right off the bat. There was... There wasn't a lot of deep digging I had to do. I related to her 
not tolerating any fools. I related to her strength and her care and love for the people who are most important to her. And so I kind of felt like I stepped into it and I, I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> from, I see, I'm trying to stray away from the spoilers here. It's yeah, really I know. To do it's, that. <laughs> it's tricky. Yes, it is. And seeing how the film projects a certain in, uh, infected type of uh, vibe. Yeah. How was the gore? Like, was that really uncomfortable being in all that the costume and all that the makeup effects? No, no, not at all. I, um, I wanted to be covered in even more gore. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but I remain relatively clean. I wanted to be covered in all that stuff. <laughs> I was jealous of the monsters. They look so awesome. And the special effects are the real star of this movie. The practical effects are just so cool. And um, everyone had a great, great time. Even the guys covered in all that gore all day, eating lunch in it. Everyone was super positive and it was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I could imagine. I would have fun too being in all that. What was that stuff? It was like a syrupy yeah, I, I don't even know. You'd have to ask the special effects people. <laughs> uh, now, touching base on your career, uh, what are your upcoming films, if you're allowed to share any? I don't have any, any of them quite on the uh, way yet. Hopefully I can do another horror movie. I'd love to. That's my goal, is to branch out into even more horror films. Um gain some fans from this one i hope and um here in vancouver i'm just auditioning and writing my own short films that i hope to produce so that's fun cool yeah and you tied into my next question if you plan to continue into the horror field and thriller and sci-fi oh god yeah that's like my number one love I am so honored to be in a horror movie. It's such a tight knit community. And like I said, I grew up on it. I love it. So the opportunity to be in anything else horror, I jump on. Cool. And um, for the independent market, um, you, you mentioned that there is a lot of hats that you wear. Uh, do you see yourself being comfortable in this type of environment as an actor? If the project really speaks to you, then definitely, like, there's a lot more freedom in the independent filmmaking aspect of it. And so if something comes around that, like I said, really speaks to an actor, the script, the director, the vision, then, yeah, I definitely keep going this direction. Thank you. And now there's an open platform Eva, for you to share your thoughts on the, this upcoming film, Peelers, and anything else you'd like to share with the listeners. I'd like to say that it's a horror film, but there are some great comedic moments in it. It's the kind of movie that you like sneak in a six pack and go to the theater with your friends to just kind of have an awesome time watching. It's I'm so proud of this film and I think you'll really enjoy it.
Thank you, thank you. And uh, you know, I emphasize once again is the, you know, there's certain just like how you mentioned earlier in our conversation, there's certain horror films that is like, eh, but it's all the horror films, that, especially in the indie circuit. You're like, oh wow, this is amazing. And Peters was one of them. And, awesome. Yeah, it was. It had a little. It had comedy, action, and I'm sure fans and in, in the in the horror community are definitely gonna accept. Uh, I think I think they will. Uh, Part of that is when you get together a great team of people, you can accomplish a lot with not as much as other film sets may have. We we had a great um, uh, special effects team. We had an awesome director in Seve. We had an amazing cinematographer, great actors. So all together, we worked really hard. And I think we created something even beyond our own expectations. Yes, definitely. And one of the... One of the key factors from uh, for peelers is uh, a the practical effects and b yeah. uh, I'm 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 a big fan of female leads in horror films, strong female leads. Yeah, me too. And um, it's kind of a tradition, I think, and I'm so happy to be carrying it on. Great, and you're embedded in history. You're 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 online for you know to be a female icon now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, this opens the door for you. You know, if uh, um, directors and producers that they say, "Well, she could play a good tough, uh, tough role." Yeah, I. You know, that's the goal, and I'm like I said, totally willing to try new stuff. Love to do it. <laughs> and uh, one last question in regards to peelers, uh, being that. Um, most of the cast uh, go through some type of uh, demise. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, how did that relate to you? Like uh, seeing every, everything just fall apart and uh, trying to stay strong in this character. <sighs> how did that relate to my character? Um, well, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, let's see here. Well, it's one thing. I don't. It's hard to answer these without giving away spoilers. Yeah, it's, it's one thing when you're fighting monsters. It's another thing when the people who are the monsters were once people you're really close to. So I think that added another element to my performance of Blue Jean. Cause, and you'll see it in the film. These aren't just random monsters sometimes. That's absolutely true. And I, I find the metaphor in Peerless because I, I analyze it and it's like, wow, yeah, you're trying to combat real life people and, you know, that are real monsters in, in your life. Yeah. And, uh, you just got to go through it and, you know, got to survive any way you can. Yeah, I think... Um what's happening with um it's hard to explain without giving anything away but the villain in the movie is probably more relevant now than ever (laughs) exactly yeah because horror movies have a have a way of paralleling uh real life events Mm -hmm. and uh, i think they did a good job yes they did Uh, thank you once again for your time in this interview. 
And I'm, I'm glad we, we had the chance to speak. Well, thank you so much for interviewing me. It's so cool to talk to you. Like, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you once again for your time and your contribution to horror. And I hope to see you and speak with you in your next film. That would be great. Thank you, Ken. Have a good one. Bye. And I do hope they expand on some type of franchise. This this type of idea has potential. The visuals were nice and everything. I feel so as well. And I believe it, it was um, Mr. Shalens who said that they don't really delve into sequels and everything. Am I right? When I asked about if it's like the start of a, you know, like a sequel or anything like that, I believe it was him that said that they don't really delve into sequels yeah yeah, a lot of a lot of directors they just prefer to do a one-shot deal Um, with the exclusion of uh, Mike Mendez and that brings us to our next interview that I had the pleasure of speaking with mr. Mike Mendez for his upcoming film don't kill it starring Dolph Lundgren Don't kill it. This is the latest killing in a town that has had three triple homicides in the last week alone. Oh, damned. I'm looking for Chief Dunham. It's Agent Pierce. Tell me Agent Pierce is really necessary. Bringing in the bureau. You have had three triple homicides in the past week, is that correct? He killed him and then he killed his own kid? Doesn't make any sense. They are unrelated, right? Well, they might be the tiniest bit related. In what way would that be, Chief? Each one killed the last. Your town is a real danger. You want these murders to stop, you best listen. I'm a hunter, demon hunter. Don't Kill It released just today, March 3rd, 2017. The fantasy horror is directed by Mike Mendez, uh, written by Dan Burke and Robert Olson. The cast stars Dolph Lundgren, Christina Cleavey, Alyssa Dowling, Michael Aaron Milligan, Billy Slaughter, and Aaron McPherson. The synopsis. When an ancient demon is accidentally unleashed in a sparsely populated Mississippi town of Chicory Creek, their only hope of survival lies in the hands of a grizzled old demon hunter, Jebediah Woodley, and his reluctant partner, FBI agent, Evelyn Pierce. Wow, what can I say? Uh, We reviewed uh, this film, Don't Kill It. So you could check out the review at dkmag.com, D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. And wow, this film has awesome practical effects. And that was the one of the captivating things about this film is as soon as the opening scene starts you're introduced to gore and violence but in a very artistic way it wasn't done in a way just to capture attention or to make it into a snuff film no the the practical effects have truly shined in this film the action sequences on the other hand were uh, sort of cliche in a way 
and that's my opinion. It could be interpreted differently uh, for someone else. But I think the action sequences were cliched. But that doesn't mean the movie was bad. No, but the movie was very good and it, it really shines. And uh, Mike Mendez, I had the pleasure of interviewing the director Mike Mendez. And I uh, also had the pleasure of uh, interviewing Dolph Lundgren, who portrays the lead role of Jebediah Woodley. Uh, for Mendez, he was very open to uh, making a sequel and the start of a franchise. He was very adamant about that too. And I, I couldn't agree more. Don't Kill It looks like it's a franchise. Uh, Jebediah Woodley, the character, has so much story to tell. You could go into a prequel. You could go into a sequel. And there's so much you could do because he's, he's a demon hunter. He's a badass demon hunter. So, Stacy, what do you think about Don't Kill It? I love the film. Um, I think my only my only complaint, which is not really a complaint at all, is that I felt like it was going to have much more action than it actually had. Um, there were quite a few um, parts where it kind of lingered, and you know, and I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit more fast-paced than it was. Other than that, um, I loved it. I loved the story. I loved the acting. Everything. Yeah, the acting was solid, and uh, usually that's not the case for an independent film. And uh, another thing that really uh, was not the shining point was the CGI. I wasn't really feeling the CGI effects, especially towards the ending. That uh, kind of put was a put off. But like I said, the practical effects, you see dismemberments, you see head exploding and wow you name it i think they they featured everything in there but did you capture this stacy did you see the different levels of practical effects they had the serious one and then they had like the comical one when the head started blowing up and you they, they just covered all the bases on there yes i did i'm, I'm not really sure um you talk about like okay the serious effects within the comical one i'm not exactly sure what you mean on that yeah when when the movie first started right that's the serious tone because it's, it was just for me i described it like a punch to the throat because i wasn't expecting all that violence especially in the opening scene and it was like bow bow boom and then there was one scene in particular not to give away too much but uh when the townspeople were assembled somewhere. Oh, okay. Right? Now I see exactly okay. what you mean. And then yeah. in that part, <laughs> it wasn't so serious. It was just like a comedy. Like, yeah. yeah. You see? Yeah, it kind of turned into more of a, like, a dark comedy. Or right, comedy. exactly. And yeah. then in that part, remind me of the film, I think it's uh, Dead Alive. You, you have you ever seen um, that one? Yeah, I think so. It's also Dead Alive, aka Brain Dead, or something right, like that, right? Exactly. Yes, I remember seeing that. See how the comical effect when they were, uh, he the, the hero in that movie was getting rushed with all these creatures, and he started to kill them. Yeah, it has <laughs> kind of felt that vibe going on there, like the comical. 
but Dolph Lundgren he played a very good role I'm very impressed uh, this this role certainly fits him and I hope he does a you know he's on board for a uh, a sequel of some sort um, like I said Mike Mendez wants a sequel let's see if Dolph Lundgren is uh, open to you know because it always depends on their actor schedule too I definitely hope so. I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to Don't Kill It. And without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Mike Mendez, director for the now-released fantasy horror Don't Kill It. Exclusive interview, Mike Mendez, director Don't Kill It. Okay, I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com. Thank you for providing the time for this interview. Of course, absolutely happy to be here. Thank you. And I'm going to jump into the first question. Uh, don't kill it on the surface. It's an action horror. Please give us your interpretation on the subtext, especially with demonology as a metaphor. The subtext. Well, the subtext is very, very, very subtle. I don't know if people will will get, will get it. In some weird way, it's a commentary on uh, on uh, guns in, in America in, in a weird way. Without as big as uh, you know that that is my deep, 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 deep subtext. But I don't even know if people will catch that, and it's unimportant. Uh, ultimately, uh, it's a fun romp. You know, uh, ultimately, it, it, it's uh, you know, you know, as much as it is as it is a horror movie, as much as an action movie, uh, it's also you know, I wanted to do something that that is funny and fun uh, and introduce audiences to kind of a new type of character. Uh, you know, because I think um, you know we have lots of horror villains, but we have very few. Uh, horror heroes, uh, and so uh, I think that was sort of uh, one of the things that really appealed to me was being able to kind of introduce uh, a new horror uh, hero. Uh, so as far as the subtext of demonology, you might have me stumped here. I don't, I don't know how much demons are bad. You know, I think we can all agree, <laughs> agree on that that demons are are no good and they should be stopped. Whether this be in this country or any other, you know, we must stop the demon problem. And uh, Dolph Lundgren is the guy, should you have one. Uh, thank you, thank you. That also ties into my next question. Um, <laughs> with the rise in horror cinema, uh, placing the woman as a strong lead, uh, can you give us some insights on the creative direction to go with the male lead with the female psychic formula? Well, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I think we have far too often, uh, you know, the, the, the female victim. And I don't feel that this movie um, has a female victim. You know, uh, I think we have a, a strong leading man and we have a strong leading woman. Uh, you know, uh, ultimately, as much as Jebediah certainly is the lead of the of the movie and potential franchise, uh, it's it's Evelyn's story. You know, it is her story, and it really is about her life and her events uh that kind of lead us through this uh and so uh it was important to me to find someone who could uh stand up against Dolph and uh, I had worked with uh Christina Klebe in the past and uh just felt she she was a, a wonderful strong actress that could bring that strength but also bring a certain vulnerability uh to it so uh you know and, and in some way she's the straight man to uh to kind of the the almost comedic 
lead, you know, and and it could be looked at as, you know, that the Dolph's kind of her sidekick to a certain degree, you know, they kind of play off uh, each other. So anyway, so, uh, you know, again, it, it was sort of fun to kind of like do something different with, with archetypes, you know, and not have, uh, you know, a classic female victim role. That's true. I did see that there was a very fine chemistry. They both provided the comedic effect and they both provided the lead very well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Now, unscripted question. Uh, I caught a little uh, hint there. Potential uh, franchise, did you say? Well, you know, I, 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 I would put it this way. I, I always want to do a sequel when I'm done with a movie. You know, there's very few things that I've done that, that I, I'm not thinking I would love to, to follow it up. It ne- the only the only one that that has gotten sequelized is a TV movie that I did for Sci-Fi Channel. That's the only one that has a sequel, which I wasn't involved in. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so I'm hoping it'll happen. But I do, I, I am encouraged, whether it happens or not. I am encouraged that I have heard a lot. Uh, you know, that people already want uh, to see further adventures of, of Jebediah Woodley, uh, and uh, you know, and and that was, I think. Oh, are always the intent, uh, you know, and, um, you know, always, um, you know, I think we were always wanted to drop that seed in your head that you were kind of catching this character at a moment in time, and there were adventures beforehand, and there were adventures after. Uh, now, you know, whether we'll get to do it is 100% financial, and it would have to be someone would want to do it, and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So that stuff I can't control, but but I am really encouraged to see so many people uh you know thinking about it and wanting to see it well got my vote i'm in for a sequel <laughs> all right good um grave dancers uh my wife and i favorite horror supernatural horror film now oh you return God, really? to the thank film. you oh yeah i loved it when it first came out oh forget it it blew my mind it's creepy wow okay that's wonderful to hear i mean you know uh, honestly like uh as i always tell people when when uh we made it, you know, it was part of the eight films to die for. It just sort of blends in with, you know, these eight other movies. And it was at a time where there was a lot of horror coming out. And I always feel it, it faded. In fact, it, it didn't, I didn't get to work for another six years. You know, it really, I feel kind of killed my career. So, so uh, it, it's, it's very nice. And, and it's been coming up more and more lately, um, you know, finding people that, that enjoy the movie and appreciate it. So, so thank you. Uh, quite sincerely, uh, you know, I, I appreciate hearing, uh, you know, people people dig it, uh, you know, years later. So that's great. Hey, Ken, oh, we have time for one more question. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'll continue with this question. Um, you return now to the theme of supernatural horror with Don't Kill It. From your perspective, what is it about this theme that attracts you as a visual artist? You know, I, I, I love the macabre. You know, it, it is just who I am as as a person. And as long as I can remember, you know, being a child, like the toys that I wanted when I was a kid, uh, there was a, a Remco uh, vampire, you know, Dracula and, and werewolf figure. Uh, and I wanted monsters since I was a baby. You know, it's just I just love monsters uh, and uh, creatures and demons. And I wanted to be a makeup artist when I was a, a teenager. So it's certainly... It's the visual, um, you know, of the macabre. Now, with that, I love it so much, and it's it's innate to me that I don't feel that it necessarily solely has to be horror. You know, I feel that you can have that that iconography and that imagery and make action or comedy or whatever or drama. You know, uh, and, and so I guess there's just a part of me that that you know sort of will always belong in the darkness. You know, that that has that darkness in me. 
but I, but you know, I, I'm open to make any type of genre movie, but uh, it usually should involve a body count and preferably creatures. Uh, so I hope I get to to keep doing that. I look forward to the next one. Awesome, man! Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. All right. Have a great day. Likewise. And to conclude our coverage for Don't Kid It, here is my interview with Mr. Dolph Lundgren, who portrays Jebediah Woodley in the upcoming fantasy horror Don't Kill It. Exclusive interview, Dolph Lundgren. And um, a brief uh, introduction for myself. My name is Ken Artuz. I'm the founder and editor for DKMag.com. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, the first question, in our interview with Mike Mendez, he extended great interest in pursuing a franchise. Will you also be interested in reprising the role of Jebediah Woodley? Sure, yeah, I like the uh, character a lot. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a shame we're only playing once. So yeah, why not? Great, that is great to hear because <clears throat> I'm looking forward to seeing a more action from Jebediah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, um, thanks. You're welcome. Uh, for each role you've undertaken, I know insights and uh, topics are learned. So what type in particular held your attention after reading the script for Don't Kill It? Well, I think what was cool about the character is he talks a lot and he, you know, he's very colorful. I mean, he, is, he wasn't a typical action hero. The way he deals with things and the way he reacts to things, you know, I thought he was interesting and, uh, you know, also very funny some of the stuff that was on the page. So I gave me a chance to sort of um, have a little more fun and do a little more comedy, you know? Cool. And um, in portraying your role of Jebediah Woodley, did you have that uh, room to give your, uh, how do you say, to give your own personal take on the character? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, you know, I, I rehearsed for a while because the film was postponed twice. So I rehearsed for maybe six months on and off, you know. So I had a, you know, a lot of ideas and a lot of takes on how the scene should be done and, you know, different ideas for the character. And, uh, you know, I really like Mike uh, a lot, um, Mike Mendes. So, you know, we worked together on, uh, you know, the wardrobe and things like that. For sure. Cool. And uh, your career spans um, multiple genres uh, for horror films such as Don't Kill It. What are the aspects that you find most compelling? The genre I find most compelling? Yes. Is that what you asked? Yes, uh, sir. You know, I think, well, I like all genres. I mean, I... I I don't really look at it like that. I look at the role and what I can do. And if it's something new I can try or have some fun with, especially now lately, I've, I look at it, you know, more like having fun as an actor and a little less of, uh, of um, you know, necessarily analyzing it that much, you know. Um, but, um, I mean, I like genres where I can where the characters somehow are anchored in reality a little bit. Like, you know, um, you can find something in there something new to to act to play as an actor you know that's, that's uh thank you for the insight and for the role of jebediah woodley what are some of the aspects that stood out for you and parallel uh like a real life scenario well 
when I, I have to remember now exactly when I played that character. I mean, you you find some kind of, you know, um, some kind of hook to the guy, and uh, basically, uh, I think with him, you know, it's just a lot of times like with other characters, it's his past. You know what I mean? What happened in the past, and uh, how did he become who he was? And obviously, in this case, he's been chasing this this demon for a while. He lost his dad and all of that. So. There's a little bit of edge there in his character, and he's, you know, he he doesn't necessarily have the best manners with everybody because he, you know, he has a larger larger goal in life, you know, that people aren't aware of, only him. That's correct. And that's one of the attractive uh, um, characteristics for this character, Ajebediah, his sarcasm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, the thing is, that comes from some of the fact that he has already seen everything. He's done everything. And to him, none of this is really extraordinary, even to us as a viewer or to other characters in the film. It's kind of extraordinary, you know, what's happening, but he doesn't really care, you know, so much. Precisely, precisely. And um, excuse me for my final question. Um, Icon, legend are terms that describe performers with years of achievement based on your extensive career. How do you define these terms and does it relate to you in any way? Icon and legend, those terms? Yes, sir. Um, well, I understand that, you know, if you if you're, if you stay on the, on a certain course for a long time in your life and you have some success and People seem to appreciate what you do, whether you're a lawyer or you're, you know, you're an actor or you're as an athlete, you know, then I suppose your personality takes on different, you know, dimension to some, to some extent to other people, you know, and uh, I think that's what you mean by the legend or icon, that it's something special that, um, you know, people kind of get used to to you like they feel they know you in a different way because you've been around a long time you know because you know young actors come and they're they're talented and people enjoy them for their work but when you when you have somebody who's been around a long time and who you've enjoyed perhaps up and down over the years then it has a certain familiarity that's kind of more more unusual these days because things are so quick now and there's such high turnover, you know? Correct, correct. Thank you. Thank you for that feedback. And um, Thanks. Once again, love the role. We did a review and it's on live on dkmag.com. Uh, oh, great. Great, thanks. Thank you. Loved it. Thank you for your uh, contributions to cinema in general. Thanks a lot, man. Nice talking to you. Likewise. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bethany. You're not suggesting something supernatural. This house is doing horrible things to her psyche, and I suggest you don't bring her back. That's crazy. Don't call me that. No, 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 no,
writer and co-director for the upcoming supernatural horror film Bethany. Bethany, the synopsis is as follows. Claire and her husband find themselves moving back into Claire's childhood home only to have the abusive and traumatic memories of her mother come back to haunt her. As her husband starts to get more work, Claire finds herself mixed up in a fog of past and present with a mysterious figure haunting her memories. What is this small figure that is trying to reach out to her and what does it want? In this film, be sure to catch our review for Bethany on DKMag.com. Simply search Bethany Film Review. Speaking with James Cullen Bresek, the director and co-writer of this film, he'll be, dis he'll be delving on topics about the supernatural, the lead character, Bethany, and its elements in horror film, paranormal horror, mixing with the psychological, which is very prevalent in this film. Bethany will release on US markets video on demand on the 7th of April 2017 via Uncorked Entertainment. Exclusive interview, James Cullen Bressock, director co-writer Bethany. Um, joining me this afternoon is producer, writer, director, James Cullen Bressock. Bressock's latest film, Bethany, is set to release on the 7th of April, 2017. Thank you for joining me and for your time, Mr. Bressock. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I divided the interview into two categories. The first one would be concept, and the second category would be production. Ooh. And the first question for the concept, Bethany offers a perfect blend of psychosis and supernatural. In your opinion, which of the two proves to be the most frightening? I mean, I think uh, psychosis really, like, it, it's way more frightening because the power of the human mind, um, and I think a lot of the scares in Bethany come from the idea of, like, is this really happening? Is she crazy? Is she not crazy? Could I myself go crazy and, and, and think these things could happen to me? Because um, ultimately, you know, it, it's one thing to think, hey, a ghost is going to come after me, but like another to think like, hey, I, I go through a traumatic event and my mind starts slipping and I start seeing things. I mean, that's, that's scary. That makes, that makes any time something bad happens that much higher of a stake for you. Yes, that is absolutely true. I agree. And that's one of the compelling things I found with Bethany, how it starts off in that psychosis. Very frightening indeed. Thank you. Yeah, we, I really wanted to play into, you know, the main character's psychosis and really get into her head. And the movie, like, travels, uh, you know, as you saw, the movie travels in and out of this woman's mind. Um, and, you know, it's all woven together, so you're not quite sure, uh, you know, when you're in reality and when you're in her head. Precisely. And that ties into my next question. Um, psychology and the paranormal have had a turbulent man, uh, marriage throughout the history. In co-writing the script for Bethany, what was your approach in 
offering that perfect blend of the psychological and the paranormal? Um, well, for me, I, you know, I, I made sure that everything, you know, when, when Zach and I were writing this, we both made sure that everything that happened to, to Claire was something that could also be thought like, hey, is this something that the ghost could be doing to play a trick on Claire as if she was like, you know, teasing her or, or you know, messing with her head um, just to, you know, <laughs> rattle her. Um, so we, we definitely, you know, played, played within that and then heightened, heightened her, her senses. So like, you know, one scene, for instance, you know, the, uh, the, the dinner table scene where, um, you know, she's eating like cereal. Um, I think that's like, you know, heightened senses right there because like she's certain words are triggering certain, you know, visual things that she hears and, and sound, uh, I mean visual things and then she starts hearing certain things trailing off and 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 basically the scene starts to deconstruct from little triggers that she's hearing um so i i, I think i i played within that and also you know played within confines of paranoia i think you know once you play into somebody's own paranoia that's when it starts to feel more real Yes, and I'm going to touch on the cereal scene. That really stuck out to me. I'm not going to look at cereal the same way again. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, that, that scene was uh, a lot of fun to make. <laughs> um, with, with so many versions of haunted house narratives, how important was it to redefine this classic tale in Bethany and provide this modern approach? Well, I mean, I think the most important thing in horror is to take something familiar and then turn it turn it on its head. You know, you take you take this trope that everybody thinks that they've seen a million times, and then when you turn it on its head and give it something fresh, that's when it becomes scary because it makes you go, "Oh wait, I I thought I knew what was going on, but I really don't." Precisely, and that's how I came across this movie how it was opening and developing is it, it threw me off because that's a psychosis element that was very well played. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Bethany also explores many issues and topics. One that stands dominant is the tragedy of child abuse. Can you please elaborate on this uh, commentary presented? Yeah, I mean, you know, I watched somebody when I was growing up, like, have, like, a very obsessive, like, you know, stage mother. And this person was super talented. But they had this, like, obsessive stage mother and, and like, basically that mother, like, forcing them to do stuff and then riding, like, on them and, and really, like, you know, the fear of failure and the fear of, like, letting not only themselves down but, like, their, their mother down, like, became so like intense for them that they ended up like having like a nervous breakdown and, and not being able to um, actually perform, um, you know, as, as, you know, an artist anymore, even though that was something that they had this natural gift at. And so like, after seeing that and seeing how that like deconstructed somebody's mind, I, I thought, you know, that that's truly horrific. And, you know, I find a commonality and a common thread through a lot of things and a lot of people that I, I've met 
And and most people, I mean, most, a lot of people will say they had a good childhood, but most people, if you really dig deep, have some trauma from their childhood. And that's and it's a soft spot for most people. You know, I'm talking a lot of people that like hide, hide stuff like, you know, trauma from their childhood and, and, and carry that for the rest of their lives. And so mm-hmm. that was the most important, you know, cornerstone for this character. Right, right. I definitely agree. And just like the main uh, protagonist, how she becomes triggered by certain words um, in real life, that also occurs. Yeah. And uh, now I'm going to delve into the production part of the interview. And uh, the first question, using childlike characters to convey horror imagery is interesting. Can you sum your experience working with actress Anne Har and bringing Bethany to life? I mean, Anna was amazing. She was super good to work with. She's super talented. And I mean, it was, it was like having, I mean, she's, she's obviously young, but it, it, it was like having like a, a, a little adult on, on set. So, you know, it was like working with any, any other actor. She was great to work with. Well, thank you. And uh, Bethany is serious in tonality. During filming, what scene in particular proved to be emotionally impactful with the cast? Um, you know, the, the hospital scene uh, was was definitely a, a tough scene to shoot. Where, um, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away, but that that was definitely an emotional scene to shoot. And, and tense, um, as well as like the therapy scene was another intense emotional scene. But I think uh, one the hardest scenes to shoot were the ones with with uh, Shannon, with Shannon Doherty, um, uh, just because uh, emotionally, like you know, she has to be like a, abusing this child, and it's it's you know it's 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 hard because you know how much is too far, like. You know, she's when she's yelling at this kid, like that's something that, like you know, in between takes, you know, you have to kind of like take a, a breath and, and remember that you're 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 not a horrible person. Um, <laughs> so you know, it, there's definitely there's definitely a, a fine line, but I think Shannon really nailed the performance and and did an amazing job and, and really pushed boundaries there. Yes, I concur. Shannon did uh, portray that evil mother, which I'm surprised it wasn't an evil stepmother. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually the trope. Yeah. (laughs) And um, for close-ups and camera angles, these really enhance the visual storytelling. Can you elaborate on your creative approach and emphasizing these key shots. And I'll bring, for example, the cereal eating scene. Yeah, I mean, you know, I structured everything with DP John uh, DeFazio. Um, I shot listed the whole movie with him prior to us ever shooting everything. So I, I had all my shots selected and I knew exactly what I wanted and I had an idea of how I wanted them to fall in the edit. And so once I had all the pieces when we were shooting, and it, some of them seemed like odd at the time when we're shooting, but I knew how I wanted it to play in the edit. So when I worked with Bobby Richardson, the, the editor, um, he was able to piece together the scene 
you know, with my direction to an idea of, of, you know, what, what we really wanted for that. And I think, you know, these extreme close-ups and stuff, it, it really heightened moments and it, it showed like, you know, what she's hearing and what's triggering her and slowing down and speeding up time. And, and the movie has a lot of play within time, you know, going backwards and forwards in time, speeding things up, slowing things down. And I think it really um, shows visually. Yes, it almost has a Hitchcockian feel to it, especially when the when the scene contorts and distorts. Very freaky. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, you answered my question with the cinematographer uh, John DeFazio. Um, but one thing stands out, the haunting hospital and the basement scene. How would these compose to elevate that tension? Well, so I wanted the hospital to feel very hallucinatory. So we were using very, like, you know, crazy colors. Um, and I think that kind of, you know, bleeds into the idea of, like, our character is kind of still drugged up. Um kind of follows the, the emotional uh, pattern of, of whatever Claire is experiencing um, our, our lead. So, you know, when, when she feels drugged up, we're seeing all these crazy colors and, and, and stuff, and we kind of play with that. Um, the basement, uh, I, I think I wanted something that was, like, really, like, big that could feel like a lair for, for obvious reasons once once the movie is seen, but I, I really wanted it to, to to really kind of feel like you were transported to like this other world. Yeah, it, it took me to a surprise. I thought it was a, a, another dimension. <laughs> and um, well, I, I'm I, a... I, I, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very... <laughs> Um, and I'm a big MMA fan, so it was a treat to see the Dean of Mean, Keith Jardine, in the film. How did he come aboard on the project? Uh, I mean, Keith was awesome. Um, you know, I've known Keith a while, and uh, I'm a huge MMA fan as well. And so, like, I, I just asked him if he wanted to be in the movie, and he was like, yeah. And, you know, he's a super talented actor, uh, believe it or not. And, I, you know, it was, it was great to work with him and have him involved. And uh, it was surprising to see Tom Green really step up to as this very serious toned role. Uh, were there any moments during production that he, you know, his comedic uh, character was released? Um, you know, Tom. Tom is is funny, you know, and and, and can definitely tell jokes and and be playful and stuff. But like when I first met him, he's a very like you know soft spoken, really kind. Um, person and, and i just saw that role i mean he, for him like he's he, he just seemed like you know perfect for that and and i think he did a great job like you know the you don't you don't you don't feel at all when watching the movie that like oh my god that's tom green you feel like he's you know the therapist and i think that's 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 great i think he really nails that um and uh you know, I, I, I definitely, there, there, were, there were times on set where, like, you know, we, uh, on any show, like, you know, people joke around and have fun, and, and you know, Tom definitely is, is great at lightening the mood, but, like, you know, once on screen, I mean, it's, he he was so 
he, he was so natural. It was, it was, it was really a, a treat to see. Yes, I, I agree. And it also, once again, it took me by surprise. It, I had to go on INDB to really make sure that was Tom Green. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he really, you know, he had him hidden behind a beard. and <laughs> He like really, uh, I really think he, he really, you know, dove into that role and, and and I, I mean, I agree. Like you, you'd never guess that was Tom Green unless you were told that was Tom Green. Right, right. Um, I have a slate of questions for him, so hopefully it will uh, um, complement this interview that we're doing, you and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I can't say good enough stuff about him. I really want to see him in more, you know, serious films. I think he's he's great. I concur. And uh, one last question for the production aspect. Uh, the way the film ends, there's going to be a lot of questions raised about a sequel, potential franchise. Do you foresee this as a possibility? I never made it with the intention of, of there being a sequel or franchise. Um, I kind of liked the ending and the idea of, you know, the, the ending did mean many different things. And I, I, I'm definitely interested to, to, to hear what people think of it. I know what it meant for me, uh, but I'm definitely interested to see what others think. Yeah, I have my personal interpretations of what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the platform is open. You care to share how people could uh, find um, Bethany, upcoming projects that you have in the works, the whole spiel, platform is open. So yeah, Bethany, Bethany will be available on 4-7 um, on VOD and will be limited theatrical at the same time. So, you know, I'll be posting what theaters and where, and, but like VOD everywhere um, on 4-7. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at James Cullen B and I'll be posting constant updates including probably this interview and the podcast um <laughs> and uh you know uh i definitely think you should uh you should check it out um i'm, I'm really proud of the movie and i i hope everybody uh enjoys it as as much as we enjoyed making it um and uh right now i'm working on an animated movie um and that will be out uh, later this year Oh, animation is the what the genre would that fall into? Uh it's it's a it's a kids musical. Oh, cool! I, I, what a parallel away from uh, the serious tonality <laughs> of Bethany. <laughs> well, I wanted to make something light. <laughs> cool. And uh, well, thank you very much for your time, Mr. Bersic, and. Uh, I definitely appreciate your input on the film, and uh, our listeners would definitely enjoy this insight. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, definitely, I, I hope everybody enjoys the film and and you know gives it a chance and uh, and likes it. Yes, as as much as I enjoyed it myself, because uh, um, it has a very good feel with the psychosis, the supernatural, paranormal. Definitely elevates that. Um, genre into the next step with this innovative layer. I really appreciate that. You know, um, we we tried really hard to 
to to showcase that. And I, I, you know, I definitely feel like it's one of those things where like, you know, it'll either work for people or, or it won't. So um, I'm glad it at least worked for you. <laughs> it works. It works. It's a very good formula. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, best of luck to you in the remainder of 2017 and beyond. And uh, once again, thank you. You too. Thank you so much. Trailer reviews. Trailer reviews. Pack everything up and do it as quickly as possible. Okay. Just pack everything right now. It's gonna be okay. An incurable virus continues to ravage the population. We urge everyone to avoid human interaction. Afflicted are highly contagious and extremely dangerous. The trailer to Here Alone arrived with a lot of fanfare. Here Alone is an upcoming horror film and according to INDB.com, Here Alone will release on US markets on the 15th of April 2016. Well, I haven't seen no news for this yet on any video on demand sources, so I'm assuming that this would apply to film festival circuit. The synopsis to Here Alone reads as follows. A young woman struggles to survive on her own in the wake of a mysterious epidemic that has decimated society and forced her deep into the unforgiving wilderness. Here Alone is directed by Rod Blackhurst and is written by David Elbertoft. The film stars in the lead role Lucy Waters as Anne, Gina Piersanti as Olivia, Adam David Thompson as Chris, and Shane West as Jason. My opinion on the trailer is as follows. Here's my first impressions. Here Alone treks on the post-apocalyptic scenario. And uh, instead of going the route of 28 days later, they're going the route of a more psychological approach and based on the trailer there are some very tense moments not only are you anticipating an attack of the infected but also you're anticipating the next move of the person that you meet on the road because as we all know the most frightening thing of a post-apocalyptic scenario are not the infected or the zombies it's the people because people start acting crazy and kill you for your supplies so in here alone we have a strong female lead which is a plus a post-apocalyptic scenario with the infected 
which is another plus because that's one of my personal um, pleasures these uh, post-apocalyptic infection zombie films and the tense moments you have psychological approach with low-key uh, I would say violence let's use that word for you the violence is low-key but the psychological approach is is uh, predominant and here alone won awards in this film festival run at the Tallgrass International Film Festival here alone won the Golden Strands for Outstanding Female Performer Lucy Walters it also won an award at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2016 the Audience Award for Narrative the winners were David Elbert Loft, Noah Lang, and Rod Blackhurst. Um, in need, Stacy, have you seen the trailer for Here Alone? Guilty as charged? No, I haven't. I know I keep saying that every podcast, but sometimes I don't have the time to see it. I have not seen the trailer either. Oh, shame on you guys. Shame, shame. This but is... you explained it very well. I mean, zombie app. Apocalypse, apocalyptic world, uh, sounds familiar. It's like played by the book already. Yeah, but if you know, that's true. Yeah, that is very true. But here we have a different scenario. You have a female lead. You have more psychological approach. That's that changes the the whole chemistry. It's still a zombie movie. <laughs> what do you say, Stacy? Is this still a zombie movie? Yes. Wow. You guys are a tough audience here. Well, no, it's not that. It's just like, I mean, that's what it is, a zombie movie. But its approach to zombies may be different, you know, as you discussed. But it's still a zombie movie. I mean, heck, <laughs> if there's zombies, there's zombies. <laughs> Fast zombies, low zombies, jumping zombies, they're still zombies. No, yeah. but there's a difference between zombies and infected. Remember, it's a totally different world. Heck, so was Santa Clarita died, but she still was a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> right, was she a zombie even though she looked a human and perfectly fine? Yeah, she's still a zombie. And, you know, you put it in the in the category it's in, and then you branch off from that. You know, you branch off. So <laughs> zombie. She says, it's "If it's orange and it tastes like an orange, it's an orange. It's an orange. That is <laughs> not an apple. It's nope. an orange. It's an orange." <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you guys realize, a lot of the now the production for zombie infected films they're changing the formula now to make it more interesting interesting why more zombies no because look 28 days later they changed the zombies to infected now they run and now you have more dramas that see zombies as not just eating brains but they have a human personality like the girl with all the gifts and sends a clear to diet. They're making zombies more human now. Ah, oh, that's such a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Zombies ain't supposed to be human. They They're are. supposed to be scary looking. 
They well, supposed to be dead. Exactly. <laughs> well, they, they they keep changing the formula. They gotta keep it fresh. Fresh? No, you gotta keep it fresh. It's supposed to be rotten. Zombies are rotten. <laughs> and you should have okay. Zombies are rotten. They ain't fresh. All right, rotten skin, decaying skin, rotten teeth, rotten everything. The only fresh thing about it is eating fresh brains. That is true. <laughs> that is true. But definitely, the, uh, here alone, definitely, I, I want to keep my eyes out for this film because it looks very interesting. It it basically is a, a one woman's journey through the post-apocalyptic world you know and coming across you know not only to defend herself against infected but there's some very shady people out there even in today's society there's shady people but you know when the zombie apocalypse hits it's gonna be more shady people out there at the rosewood institute we cater to the best families did he send you i'm sorry Isabel, I apologize for the unorthodox introduction. I'm Dr. Karen. Please describe your affliction. The Institute is nearing its theatrical release on March 3, 2017. The thriller is directed by James Franco and Pamela Romanowski. Written by Adam Rager and Matt Rager. Produced by Momentum Pictures. The cast stars James Franco, Pamela Anderson, Topher Grace, and Joshua Duhamel. The synopsis. In 19th century Baltimore, a girl stricken with grief from her parents' untimely death voluntarily checks herself into the Rosewood Institute and is subjected to bizarre and increasingly violent pseudo-scientific experiments and personality modification, brainwashing, and mind control. She must accept, she must escape, escape the clutches of Rosewood and exact her revenge. The Institute is said to be based on real events. The trailer is dark psychological thriller, a woman seeking help from an institute that turns out to be not so good, not a good place. As the, as the trailer depicts, the staff of the institute are hyped on bizarre and perverse methods of treatment. Indeed, Ken, have you guys seen the trailer? What do you think? I have not seen the trailer, but to me sounds a little bit like a cure for wellness. Ha, you're funny. How am I funny? It has to do more or less with the same thing. An institution where a person goes and tries to escape because they're being tortured. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right on that point. But I'm going to blow you guys' minds right now. You know what the Institute reminds me of? It reminds me of the MK Ultra. Uh, science projects that the United States government conducted on US citizens these were real experiments sometimes you see this was the rumor sometimes people would be kidnapped and they would be um, influenced 
with narcotics, with uh, mind-altering drugs, experiments. They wanted to see if they could tap into the human psyche. Uh, MK Ultra program that was discontinued, I believe, in the late 60s. But there's speculation that these experiments continue to this day and against people's will. So I guess they're kidnapping people again and doing these experiments. That's the scary part. And you could even go deeper and say that the music industry and the film industry is nothing but mind control programming for the masses because you have secret symbolisms, you have actors acting a uh, like they're insane or going into special treatment for their quote unquote nervous breakdowns which in turn they are being taken to an institute just like how it's described in the synopsis so they could go undergo mind control techniques boom mind blown what do you guys think about that boom mind blown <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. She had to. Boom. <laughs> mind blown. It was there. I'm sorry. <laughs> the opportunity. You open it up. <laughs> well, oh. what do you think about that, though? Mind control. I thought those were the aliens that they were kidnapping you and controlling you. No, mind control is a real thing. You see, if you look at the symbolisms on TV, people, people, you know, swear by these symbols, the one eye symbols, that's all mind control. And actors and singers, for example, Britney Spears, when she shaved her head and she was beating up a car with her umbrella, that is a sign for a breakdown of the mind control persona. Oh, so no wonder some of these actors and actresses be acting crazy at times. Exactly. And then they take them to an institute. Look, you see, the name of the movie is called Institute. And everything in the synopsis is what they go through. That's scary. Yeah. That is scary. Oh, yes. You see, I keep my mind open to things because things are not always black and white so when you see these reports on tv like for example kanye west all of a sudden he is uh visiting trump and then the next day they take him into an insane asylum because he has a nervous breakdown you look at that and you say ah whatever you turn the page of your newspaper but when you start to realize say wait a second why are these things happening why are these you know and then you also go into the fact of sacrifices how they become famous they have to sacrifice a loved one and it, it goes deeper from there yeah but let's not get into it let's not get that's not a topic for us to talk about right now why are you blowing up my balloon here i'm not blowing your hey. balloon we are dk mag and we are supposed to be discussing horror thriller sci-fi movie not mind control so move it along oh no don't you tell me to move it along what is up with you i'm gonna mind control you no <laughs> you the one be mind control move it along stacy any closing thoughts on this film the institute 
mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> to end it on a more light note, a more positive note, mind blown. <laughs> that was a good one, Stacy. <laughs> but looking at the cast, looking at the cast, you have some good actors here. This is a well-rounded film. You have Eric Roberts. You have Josh. Oh, I'm going to brutalize his name. Josh Duhamel, Topher Gracie, James Franco. We all know James Franco. Mind blown. Mind blown. But, you know, I'm going to say I'm questionable about the presence of Pamela Anderson. I haven't seen her act in a... In a in I a, think the last time I remember her was what, on Barbed Wire? No, I said act. <laughs> act. That's the, the key word of my sentence. Act. I haven't seen her act in... Never. Wow. Honestly, I think out of all these people, all I really... All I'm really familiar with is James Franco and Josh Duhamel. Um, the other names don't really ring a bell. Unless I've seen movies with them and I just... You know... You but see, they don't really bring a bell. Topher Gracie, he was in that '70s show. He was also in Spider-Man Three, and he was also in the oh. film Predators. Okay, all right, yeah. Well, I haven't seen that '70s show, but I've seen uh, Spider-Man Three. Yeah, yeah. So. Eric Roberts, um, Julia Roberts' uh, brother. Oh, I know him. Now that I see, yes, I know Eric Roberts. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this looks like to be a good movie. Mind blown. Mind blown. <laughs> Follow the light. How do you feel, Daniels? Fine. Any dizziness? Nausea? Mm, fine. It's a hell of a view, ain't it? It is pure majesty. I don't know what you're talking about. It kind of spooks me out. Some big old seeing nothing. <laughs> Cryosleep will commence in 153 minutes. Allow one hour before taking the purgative. And please ensure to consume the requisite liquid and vitamin pack. I just wanted to say hey before I jet out. I'm feeling kind of crazy. Well, you're not feeling good? I'm just burning up. I thought we were going to have one more drink before we went into cryosleep. Who's going to lead us in our toast? Just have Danny do something. She not know what to say. All right, Captain. Make sure everyone behaves. Oh, yeah. You can count on me. Good night. Hey, Captain. Good night, Captain. Feel better. I saw the new trailer from the 20th Century Fox new movie, Alien Covenant. And in this trailer prologue, we can see the introduction of the crew as they get together for a final meal before entering cryostasis. We get to see Branson, the captain, which is played by James Franco. And isn't looking too good. Now, after he leaves the room, I guess he's such a big serious boss and as soon as he leaves the room the crew just begins starts to have a party 
and they just start talking about the things that they will miss during their cryostasis. Um, this trailer might not show any alien action, but there is a little scare for the for the first time um, teasers. Here's the synopsis: Bound for a remote remote planet on the far side of the galaxy. The crew of the colony ship Covenant discovers what they think is an uncharted paradise, but it's actually a dark, dangerous world. Whose sole inhabitant is the synthetic David, survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. This story is written by Michael Greener, Jack Paglin, and John Logan wrote the screenplay. <coughs> also, it's directed by Ridley Scott. Some of the cast includes Michael Fassbender, James Franco, Naomi Rapaz, and so forth. It will be released in theaters on May 19, 2017. Do you guys think this movie is going to tie it up and explain a little bit more about the Prometheus movie? Let's see. I'm going to ask Stacy this question. Have you seen Prometheus? No, I have not. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We're gonna have to Yeah, yes, I We're gonna have to tie you to a chair <laughs> force oh, you to watch these yes. films. <laughs> but Yes, definitely. Let me tell you, before I get into the Alien Covenant, uh but actually it's not a trailer, it's a four minute <coughs> video of uh The Last Supper, that's what it's called. And before I get into that, James Franco is a busy guy. Looking at his INDB page, he has over 10 projects that he's worked on for 2017. Where does he have the time to breathe? Oh my gosh. He likes money. Hey. Yes, but not only hey, that. Hey, there is no <laughs> There is what? There is no breathing in Hollywood. That is true. Not for his ass. No. Man, look at this. <laughs> wow. You did deliver. You're on the road today, Anith. Oh my gosh. You're on the road. Your ass don't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he throws, he throws air. <laughs> so he breathes out. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting to exhale. Okay, moving along. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to I'm trying to stop laughing. I'm trying to stop laughing. <laughs> This should be on the blooper reel. <laughs> oh, jeez. You know okay. why? This is the last episode of the season, right? That's right. So there you go. <laughs> go on, We're making it fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, Game Alien face. Covenant. Let me see. Alien Covenant. I did not like, in my opinion, I think Prometheus was shouldn't have been made first of all aliens was a film that is so almost perfect in itself you don't need a prologue you don't need a, a prequel to explain about the incidents that happened on the ship so 
with Aliens 1 and Aliens 2, that was enough. But the franchise just went, you know, into dumbness. You have Aliens 3, Aliens 4, this and that. It's going on. Things didn't make sense anymore. And this, the, the spirit of the alien character started to deteriorate. And he wasn't scary anymore. Then you had Alien vs. Predator. You know, the, the, the nonsense continues with Prometheus. So now they have Alien Covenant. It, it visually, of course, it, the visuals look nice uh, from this uh, segment called The Last Supper. You know, this, the, setting, the setting was nice. The acting was good. You have all these top name Hollywood actors in this film. You don't really need that, you know? You don't need this. You don't need this at all. But I guess really Scott, uh, he wants to keep. He wants to keep this franchise going. He wants this. He wants to make money off of this franchise, in my opinion. Well, the fact that Sagobi Weaver has nothing to do in this one. No, because it's a prequel. It's going back, explaining about the alien race. Okay. There's two alien races. The one that created humans. Anunnakis. Exactly. See, that's another mind blown right here, because the aliens that created the the alien species, the creatures, were created by a higher power. They wanted to create this species as a weapon, I guess, and they resemble what we consider to be the Anunnakis, the aliens that came to Earth and enslaved mankind to build these elaborate pyramids and to mine. Uh, uh, stuff out of the earth to power their ships. Mind blown. Still blown. (laughs) (laughs) Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? If this was like visual, I would have some power in my head. Poof. (laughs) (laughs) that would be that would be the perfect moment to just like blow some pot after he has a mind blow (laughs) (laughs) but so stacy um you you've seen the alien franchise what do you think of the continuation of this covenant stuff the alien covenant i wouldn't say i've seen the alien franchise i've seen alien versus predator and yeah Kill me now, but I still have yet to see the original Aliens was the Journey Reaver, you know, and yeah, still have yet to see that movie. So I've seen Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, you need to see Aliens. That's that's a classic. Really good film. Great film. I hear. That's I hear. Great. I need great. I know. <coughs> I would I would go for this source. Alien one and aliens with an s those were the two best films in my opinion and aliens was directed by james cameron and he infused uh action into the sci-fi film you see alien one was more psychological approach was more tense you're confined to uh, to the ship only and in aliens James Cameron took it on the the wide area, a colonized area of the moon, which ties into Prometheus. 
and that's where the story of Prometheus you know turns about where they're in the same setting so I don't know my opinion is these franchises shouldn't be continued well in my opinion I found that trailing kind of boring you wanted to see gore. That's what you wanted to see. People getting cut up and stuff <clears throat> well, like that. Well, it's called Aliens Covenant. Not meet the cast and crew prologue and let it be boring. Yeah. I think, you know what he's doing with the four-minute clip? I think he's selling it. I think he's trying to gain interest. Trying to sell it because that didn't give me no interest. What? To look at James Franco with a with a blanket over his face, you know, head looking all sick, like, oh. And then he might be such a bad captain that all his staff leaves. Where as soon as he leaves, he start, they start partying. What kind of product is that? I don't know. Hey, there's an introduction to the characters, I guess, yeah. Well, that's telling me that James Franco is a bad captain. Or he's a strict captain. Mm-hmm. Right. He's a strict captain. And then you have the comedy relief. Then you had two androids. Because uh, Fastbender plays an android. And there's another character there. She's an android as well. So. Well, apparently everybody was drinking. Right. No. Uh, if you look at it, Michael Fastbender's character wasn't drinking. He's an android. So. Yeah, so let's see what happens with this film. Let's see how's it going to do in the box office. Deviant Behavior Deviant Behavior is a horror film directed by Jacob Grimm. The script written by Sal Hernandez. The cast stars Mario Aguilar, Patrick Shabera, Sergio Contreras, and Bonnie Ann Coronado, produced by STX Media. There is no official release date yet, but it will release soon. Stay tuned for updates. The synopsis, a slasher thriller centering around Charlie Reese, a sleazy private detective who discovers a world of murder, torture, and depravity. Deviant behavior is a little hard to read, but it looks like a dark horror suspense thriller. It looks like some bondage and torture. It looks like a crime story. It also looks like it develops a little slowly. In any case, the trailer is very suspenseful and intriguing. Anid Ken, have you guys seen the trailer and what do you think? No, I have not seen the trailer for Deviant Behavior. I was waiting for your presentation to get a feel for it. I always look forward to your presentation. So it gives me a feel of how and then I'll go watch the trailer. Yeah. Well, you know what? Honestly, this trailer is like, it's so hard to read because it's more so like it gives you little snips, snippets, or you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't give you too much and you, you can't really analyze it. I'm just like, man, what is going on here? You know, it looks like there's some, you know, suspense going on. It looks like some bondage and torture. You know, it looks like some deviant stuff going on. But it's uh, it's also at the same time very like mysterious or secretive in a sense as well. well I guess the trailer did a good job of uh, getting the audience attention by not revealing too much. 
Yes, it definitely did. And like I said, uh, one thing that as how like how the trailer played kind of looks like it develops a little slowly as well because the trailer was also a little slow, but at the same time, like, you know, very intense. <coughs> well, being that it has a torture and bondage, I find that that's being uh, that's the new theme now for horror films is uh, this torture and bondage stuff uh we just finished uh reviewing a film that plays into that those type of elements so i guess they they're trying to you know entice audiences and by using this uh what, what do you call it uh shock value And also, not really nothing wrong with torture and bondage if it's done correctly. You know, I'm more like, I like the films that has substance, you know, has meaning. I'm not really too fond of shock factor films. You know, I'm not really too fond of that because like a lot of times shock factor films also happen to be very mediocre in their um, cinematography and their special effects, you know, and you're sitting there like, oh, this, like this film had potential if only it wasn't so darn cheesy. Like I, I like watching a movie and like making believe it's real when you know it's not real, but it looks so real. You know, I want to feel sympathy for the victim and all, but when a movie is really like cheesy and mediocre, it's like, uh, now see, that looks too fake to me. I can't, I have no sympathy because it looks fake. Right, right. That's perfectly <laughs> understandable. And uh, like I said, they're using bondage and torture. It's kind of played out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it works when it works. Like you said, it looks fake and stuff like that. But uh, when you see it too much, yeah, it, it becomes, you become numb to these scenes and you, it just doesn't have impact anymore. Television. Castlevania. Castlevania is in the works and the director, Andy Shankar, released a image for Castlevania and the image is a castle which is the centerpiece for this film Wow this the if you look at the poster which will provide in our overview for this podcast you would see that the poster is red you have this very weird looking castle which in reality would not make sense because the way that this castle is built it would just collapse on itself but visually on a poster it looks freaking cool so you have this blood red moon this elaborate looking weird gothic castle you have uh some bats flying around so it's the the, the poster is very creepy and this is a brief overview of castlevania Inspired by the classic video game series Castlevania is a dark medieval fantasy following the last surviving member of the disgraced Belmont clan trying to save Eastern Europe 
from extinction at the hand of Vlad Dracula Tempe himself. The animated series is from Frederator Studios, a WoW Unlimited media company. Written by best-selling author and comic book icon Warren Ellis and executive produced by Warren Ellis, Kevin Coldy, Fred Sebert, and Andy San Sankar. And correct me, I said Andy Sankar was the director. He's actually the executive producer. And uh, Castlevania would air on Netflix. So this is an upcoming project for Netflix. Uh, amazing. If you are a fan of the Castlevania video game series, I've only played part one, so I haven't played the other continuing, but these was years ago. But you have a feel of the gothic horror that would be portrayed in this series. And I don't believe there is, this has been an, a horror series on TV. The last one I believe was Spawn. Back in back in the early 90s or so, and that was a very intriguing animation that that aired on on you know cable television. So I'm definitely looking forward to Castlevania. Inid, have you played Castlevania the video game? No. Mm -mm. You haven't played Castlevania? No. Oh my gosh, you have <coughs> to play Castlevania. That's a very good game. I'll give it a try maybe one day I think they'll have like one of those emulator games that you could download and you could play it that's one of the games from back in the days yes old school <coughs> side scroller 2d 8-bit video game wow yeah and miss Stacy have you heard of Castlevania before I have, but only just recently from you guys. No, I've <laughs> never played it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those times that I would say that a film should be made uh, from a classic tale because nothing has been made from Castlevania to my recollection. I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anything that was made from this. And it's a very good story. You got vampires, you got gothic setting. Uh, yeah, so this this could be pretty good right here. I hope the season comes off to a good start. So what would I call you if I was so inclined? Shadow Moon. What might I call you? What's today? Wednesday. Today's my day. I could use a fellow like you. You're my man now. You know who he is? Who he really is? He does not know our world. I'm easing him in. This show is based on the 2001 Neil Gaiman novel American Gods, which follows a war between the old and new gods as they about to head to go head to head. Here's some of the storyline on American God. Shadow is a man with a past, but now he wants nothing more than 
to live a quiet life with his wife and stay out of trouble until he learns that he's that she's been killed in a terrible accident flying home from the funeral as a violent storm rocks the planet he is greeted by a strange man in the seat next to him the man call himself mr wednesday as he knows more about shadow than is possible he warns shadow that a far bigger storm is coming and from that moment on nothing will ever be the same the creators are brian fuller and michael green stars is ricky wethel ian mcshane emily browning and stars has confirmed the first episode will release on april 30th 2017 what do you guys think american gods i'm not familiar with the novel i just recently uh know about it from this trailer and the trailer looks very interesting uh but what attracted me more is the synopsis this is the classic fallen angels versus god's angels we've seen this before in other in other films but this is a modern take and mind you this uh american gods is entering an arena that if you notice there's more supernatural horror horror themed shows on tv now you have outcast you have the exorcist you have american gods now and there's another one on the top of my head i don't remember but it's oh preacher preacher there it goes so more supernatural horror is coming on tv now I wonder why. Yes, Stacy. Mind blown. <coughs> Your turn. <laughs> Mind definitely blown, but um no, I don't know anything about this either. But have you noticed there's more supernatural stuff on TV now? Yeah, I do. Um I I guess supernatural is okay if done right, you know, I mean that goes for anything, but I mean I don't know it takes a really good supernatural film to really get me and not too many do I think the last supernatural film actually was quite a few um let's see there was Sinister there was uh um what was it uh, The Shelter I watched that uh, recent The Shelter um The Faith of it's a Anna Watchers I think The Faith of Anna Watchers but it's yeah, it's not very, it's not, it's very rare that a supernatural film will catch my attention, honestly. Or TV show. As you know, TV shows alone don't really capture my attention that much, so <laughs> I'm really picky. Yeah, I think our DVR is filled with uh, shows that I haven't watched. Definitely. Yeah, it's taking up space on the DVR, and Anita is <clears throat> getting upset because she cannot record her uh, soaps <laughs> you are funny let me guess Adi. let me guess let me guess is it changing wait the days of our lives with Freddy Krueger <laughs> <laughs> no it's more like Spanish soaps <laughs> Spanish soaps <laughs> yes <laughs> And it's about the, the drug cartel takes, you know, vengeance. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, 
I don't know. American Gods. Let's see. Let's see. I'll probably pick up the book. The book will probably be much better than the show, as it always is. So this would definitely be a, a good read for me to pick up and read this on the train if I don't fall asleep for you know during my commute. Yeah, oh, please don't like fall a, asleep. Yeah. Right after eight hour work day, the last thing you want to do is read a book. You be on the you be on the train like uh. Okay, yeah, one time minutes. he missed a stop. One time, many yeah. times. You know what? <laughs> Just twenty minutes on on the train or bus feels like it like you got like a two hour sleep you no. wake up right before you hit your stop like oh man how long was that <laughs> just just don't drool just, just drool. <laughs> i've seen people drool on the train ah <laughs> uh, yes i have <laughs> yes. it's funny here in new york changing the subject a bit before we close out this segment we've seen it all We've seen mice get on the train, rats get on the train. What else have we seen? People getting it on the train. Yeah, so. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm in, I'm in Cleveland, okay? I've seen that. I've definitely seen that. Wow. <laughs> especially, especially when we come late at night from a screening. Yes. Right. We see some weird stuff. Very weird. And with that, we close it out with the uh, American Gods. American Horror Story Season 7. We recently learned the new theme for American Horror Story Season 7. And a theme that I don't think anyone was quite ready for, at least not me. Last week's podcast, we contemplated what the election could be about. We came up with a few speculations and theories. However, as we all know the creators, Ryan Merck and Brett Falchuk, and the popular show, we know that we will just have to wait and see how it unfolds. As reported on The Hollywood Reporter, Murphy reveals the theme of American Horror Story Season 7, which is the 2016 presidential election. One who closely follows the popular anthology should know that not many details are known at this time. As the production crew is very good about keeping information under wraps until the perfect time to release it to the public. However, what little information we do know is that Sarah Paulson and even and Evan Peters will be returning. Most will know that these two have been faithful American Horror Story stars since the very beginning. Another interesting point to note is that it has also been revealed that every season is in fact connected. This was some heavy controversy over audiences and fans of the franchise. What's more, we will see just how the American Horror Story universe intertwines in this new season. There's no official premiere date as of yet. Stay tuned for updates. Anid Kim, what do you guys think? Um, precedents. Mm, I think American Horror Story is done after this. <laughs> I think the ratings are definitely gonna go down. I think an apocalypse, an apocalyptic world, has Stacy been suggesting on this time, would have kind of like increased the ratings because the last season that I saw, I didn't even finish watching it. 
after like the three, third or fourth episode, it just all went down to hell for me, and I was not interested in catching up with it. Now, about precedents, no. We went enough with that with this presidential election. We definitely didn't need anything to remind us of what we went through. I agree. The presidential election was a joke. It was fixed. And it was just a sham for the American people. You have uh, very good candidates that were kicked out, uh, forced out by their... uh, by their uh, party then you have a reality based uh, candidate winning the election and you had all these secret emails that were released by anonymous hackers not the group but I'm specifying not the group anonymous but the group but an anonymous group of hackers releasing these and now we're projecting Russia as our enemy for no apparent reason so you know this election was a big joke and for American Horror Story to use that as a backdrop story shame on them there's so many other things that they could have used the apocalypse for one Stacy that was a that's a very great idea and I have to agree with the need I think American Horror Story is this is it for them and if they don't pull something out of the hat Uh, I don't see this franchise continuing. I definitely agree. I mean, I feel like the apocalypse would would have been such a great theme. I mean, not just because I'm addicted to the apocalypse, but because, you know, for American Horror Story, for the show that it used to be, I feel like it tied right in or fit right in. Now, as far as this whole like little connection goes, I don't know if that would have like, but I felt like that theme alone would have been what that show was all about. Now, when they came to Roanoke, I'm just like, I'm literally like, what is this? Like, you got all this mockumentary crap going on. I'm feeling like I'm watching a soap opera or something. That's what I'm feeling like. I'm watching some kind of soap opera, you know, and I feel like, you know, the same could potentially happen with the the election uh, especially when they mentioned that it's like it's going to be what we like what we went through with the election like what do you mean what we went through with the election we lost that's what america went through we lost so what i'm picturing in my head is that this next season is going to be about you know about loss about tragedy about depression and i was like no that is no, that is not going to be a good season if it hands down that route. Yeah, I agree. This is this is it for... And they use that marketing campaign for Roanoke, making it all a mystery. What's the theme going to be? And all these question marks. And then all of a sudden you have Roanoke. Uh, supernatural, reality-based mockumentary. I kind of liked it. it you know and uh it's because i have guilty pleasure watching these supernatural shows like ghost adventures and um some uh some of of these other shows that that are reality based that uh that accounts for the paranormal so that's probably why i enjoyed last season's american horror story but i'm not i am definitely not looking forward to this presidential election theme it sounds corny it is corny 
why would I want to see why would I want to see presidency if I already had enough of that for the month of November November then you're October. still going through it and we still go on a march and we're still going through it it's gonna something continue. that it should have stopped already and it's gonna continue for the whole four <laughs> years it's gonna continue but anyway, not only that <clears throat> not mm -hmm. only that but why do we want to be reminded you know like a lot of people want to like just like mentally get away from this presidential crap you know what i'm saying they want to get away from it you turn on facebook twitter anything and probably 80 percent of your feed your news feed is presidential crap what you know president trump has said or what he's done or whatever you know what tweets he's tweeting that's like 80 percent of the news feed now a lot, like a lot of us want to get away from that crap turn that crap off it's true and you know it's all of this is perpetrated by the media and that's one thing i gotta agree with trump fake news and news is fake and news in general are what puts them on the air is ratings just like any other tv show the news channels depend on ratings to move forward so that way, you know, they could keep in business and they could keep their sponsors. They need ratings. So they got to keep fueling this presidential uh, problems and all of this stuff and keep their focus on the president for ratings. So that I agree. Fake news. Fake news does not belong on American Horror Story. Now, unless they have a concept that involves aliens just like in the movie they live that the aliens were controlling everything or they could have some type of demonic stuff going on which you know that's another conspiracy uh thought that we have uh devil worshipers in in government that is creepy that could work but let's just see how they're going to take this presidential thing in American Horror Story. That, that's my take. Blown. Mind blown. Ah, uh, mind blown. <laughs> mind blown. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast episode, DK Mag Horror News Podcast. Once again, you could find us on the web, dkmag.com, D-E-C-A-Y-M-A-G.com. We are also on Twitter. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. You said iTunes? iTunes. Yes, we are on iTunes as well. And my name is Ken Artuz, founder and editor for DKMag.com, and I was joined by Enid Artuz, content contributor, Stacy Cox, staff correspondent. And this concludes, uh, this is the final episode for season three. Be sure to stop by. Uh, we're going to take one week off, and then we're going to come back for season four with some brand new fresh content and be sure to visit our site we have some interviews we have reviews on upcoming films we have news 
and your support is greatly appreciated if you stop by our site if you download our podcast on stitcher and on itunes we are on podbean google music we're pretty much everywhere so download our podcast videos at our site like us on all social networks your support and that way is greatly appreciated thank you thank you for supporting us